Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kigongo, and this week I'm joined by Mike Munzenreiter and Jason from Frozen in Carbonite to talk about the latest video release from Baker Skateboards. But first off, we're talking about love, black love. On Valentine's Day, Al Brown published Honoring the Lineage of Black Skateboarders with Black Skateboarders, a love letter to the contributions of black skaters to this thing of ours. We enjoyed this blog so much that we decided to invite Al onto the show. So Al, what inspired you to write this homage to black excellence? Yo, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here. You know, I got this little newsletter that I write and uh, I just thought it was Black History Month. This is a good, good content topic. So I was flipping through my old skate mags. I came across my first skate mag and uh, the first black person that was in it was Shiloh Greathouse. Uh, and then Gershon Mosley in an A-Team ad. So then I started just wondering who other black skaters, first black skater that they saw was. <laughs> what was that first magazine? Was that a trans world? I'm trying to like place yeah. that. Yeah, it was a uh, trans world, October, 1997. It had uh, Chad Muska doing the lip slide on the cover. Oof. <laughs> Oh, That's dog, dope. I remember that one. That was a heavy one. That was Shorty's. That was like right when Shorty's kicked off, right? Yeah, it was right around that time. Uh, and like, I think I think that might have been like the launch of the A-Team too. Because like, it had everybody's picture and it. it was like a eight-page A-Team ad. And so I didn't even see Gershon skating. It was just Gershon's face with like some stats and some some weird background stuff, you know, but so those were those were my first two dudes. My God, they really tried to make that a thing, and it just like <laughs> it just like people were not feeling it. Like, how can you have a team that's so good but a concept that's so whack? Yeah. What, yeah. what was the A team supposed to be like? Uh, like a paramilitary, like black ops team or something? Or you never? I think SEAL it was team like they were all, the concept. Yeah, like they were all technicians or something like that. <laughs> secret mission style or something that, that's how you could tell that skateboarding like the money was good over a dwindle that they decided like we're gonna have this highfalutin concept that nobody gets that nobody can recall but guess what it's still gonna move boards and we're gonna bring mark johnson under the umbrella but <laughs> for me i think my first i want to say first black skater i remember seeing in a magazine ray barbie and it was 90s ray barbie too it was um i can't remember it was a trans world i think he had uh he had the cover and he had the main feature interview. I remember he had the Vans Fairlanes in black with the white uh, with the white joints. So that was actually my first real pair of skate shoes. Wow. So shout out to Ray Barbie, the Eternal. Jason, Mike, who were the first black skateboarders that y'all noticed in a magazine or in a video, wherever? Oh, dude, it was pr- probably someone in Slap because it had to have been like Lavar or Lee Smith. I think it was Lee Smith actually because he had like an interview in like i think slap like late 92 early 93 and like they didn't even say his name they were just like puma yo <laughs> was that actually his like his nickname or was it just something that like uh people tried to make into a nickname i i assume that's what he wrote oh that was oh. his oh, okay that was his tag graph crossover okay yeah that was when the graph crossover was uh pretty huge yeah it was probably yeah it's probably he or javante and one of those EMB dudes because they were in uh, in slap. But like when Kareem came out, that he was like he was like a god to us, man. Like straight up in like '93, '94 with like New World Order and then Twenty Shot. He was like way too cool for everybody. Oh, would you say that that's like probably the best 
three video run of any pro of that era. Uh, what you mean, New World Order? Twenty shot trilogy. Twenty shot trilogy. It's up there, man. You could make it certainly make an argument. Like it's probably like top five, and it's not four or five. Mike, you know? what about you, boss? I'm thinking it was Gershon mostly. Like I can't remember if it was. It was probably in four one one ten. That was my first video, so he definitely has clips in there. But I feel like in Europe ninety five, there's like a mini ramp contest, and he won that at Radlands. And he was skating. He rode for Powell at the time. They had a like a Swiss board, just a red deck with that white Swiss cross on it. And I got obsessed with that because I watched that video of him like crushing this mini ramp doing, I don't know, it's a six foot ramp and he's doing like four or five foot kickflip grabs to fakie on that red Swiss cross board. So that actually ended up being my second board because I saw it in a skate shop and I was like, I got to get this. And so that happens. I think like Gershon's the first black skater that's like, you know, really, really embedded in my mind. So it's interesting that you say that because I was just thinking about that Powell video, Scenic Drive. And the weirdest thing was that Powell at the time was in the mid 90s was like frighteningly uncool. And (laughs) if I recall, he skated to Cheryl Crow, All I Want to Do in that video. And I was just like, how could you do somebody that awesome (laughs) so dirty? Very wrong. So, so Al, and, and, and thank you for writing this and dropping it on Valentine's Day, like peak Black History Month, um, <laughs> which then leads to one of the more difficult questions. And I want to just like, just dive right in. We've made a lot of strides in skateboarding as a subculture uh, in terms of participation, maybe even in terms of representation. But when we look at the skateboard industry, it's not quite the same thing. What, you know, what are your two cents? And actually, this is for everybody to chime in. There's a lot of talk about representation. This is something that came up last week in our conversation with Elise. But you know, as someone who does a little bit of diversity work, both professionally and then also with the Harold Hunter Foundation, I'm often thinking about and reading about, do we really want representation or do we want actual inclusion? And where does the skateboard industry stand? Because when you look at it, skating in general, it's worldwide, it's global. You go to any major city, you'll see people of all types of backgrounds, but especially black people. But where are we at right now, Al? Uh, well, the industry, you know, I think for for everything, you know, having black people around or people of color is kind of the end thing to do right now. And skating's making its strides in doing that. It's really encouraging to see so many, like all the young kids I talked to, like I was, I talked to um, Jordan Powell, who's on America. And when you think about America, you don't usually think about black people. So you're like, hey, you know, that's cool. Maybe I'll get some America shoes now. They're messing with us. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I think a lot of skateboarding, I think what a lot of people don't think about is that it's a business and that it's mainly, you know, it's all marketing. And it's, you know, is this person if we're going to see them in the mags and in the big videos, it's like, is this a marketable person? Uh, the skating doesn't, doesn't always just, you know, give you a free pass. So from that standpoint, I think, you know, the skate industry is doing the best that it can with that, you know, it'd be cooler to see, you know, more gender inclusion things like that. But I don't know, like I was talking to Stephanie person and she, she cold called switch watches and was like, do you guys know how cool it would be to see like a woman do a frontside air on a vert ramp? Like people are going to watch if you do that. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll sponsor you, you know? So it's about, it's about what you can sell. I think sometimes at the end of the day. 
Yo, can I, I thought she was a super rad find for the newsletter item. Like, can you explain who she is? Uh, yeah, just the, the first professional black woman skateboarder. She has a, a great interview and uh, she talks about how she, she got into skateboarding, I think, in high school and like organized a contest. And next thing you know, she's like hanging out with like dudes like Corey O'Brien and stuff. And then moved into a skate house down in San Diego and stuff. Like it was just like a, all this whirlwind thing just because she picked up a skateboard and she could rip. Like ended up in the PAL video and stuff, had a clip in that. That was cool. Um, and yeah, the same year I was born, she had a, had a Thunder ad. So, <laughs> just so she's doing really all the uh, 80s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All in the 80s. Yeah. How did you uh, get in touch with her? Because this tripped me out because like I never heard of her. I was a uh, little bit mixed in age, but yeah, this tripped me out that I had never heard of her. Yeah, no, I'd read a, I'd read an interview with her a while back, and uh, just like everybody else, I just reached out over Instagram, and uh, she was one of the first that wrote me back, so that was super cool. Gave me some confidence talking to her and uh, talking about Steve Stedham and stuff. So yeah, super, super rad. And, you know, we need to, we need to appreciate her more. That's so dope that you actually. First of all, that she got back to you. And second of all, that she shared so much. And, you know, I remember reading about her in that um, September, I think it was yeah, the September 2020, uh, the black issue of Thrasher, which mm. was really, really great when it came out and was universally very, very well received. Well, okay, maybe not universally because a couple controversial figures on that cover. And certainly there were some people who were left out. But is a Thrasher cover enough? I mean, what can, for example, like the skate media be doing about this? Because at least on a ground level, like Skate, uh, Skate John, all the New York City blogs and publications that we, we hype up here, I think they've been doing a better job in the long term than, say, a Thrasher. Like, it feels like Thrasher should have done that t- 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, um, Dupes Mag did a, a black issue, was that like a year ago? And uh, it's just there's so many scenes in skateboarding now that and so many avenues if you're interested in something you can definitely find it but if your only channel is thrasher or whatever it might be a little bit harder to find you know what i mean absolutely and shout out to ebby from stoops mag i actually contributed to that issue i did the interview with black owned skate shops um which then leads to like this next question you know kind of the thing that got me chatting with the guys here on mostly skateboarding was doing the blacklist a couple of years ago just putting together a list of black-owned skateboard businesses and nonprofits and things like that. And, you know, it's just a Google spreadsheet, but it's been amazing how far it's traveled and how much it's grown over the last couple of years. But I keep feeling like there's like this much, much bigger mountain to climb, which is really getting into the place where you can have a distribution or you can have, you know, really meaningful accounts, you know, and... That seems really, really hard because a lot of a lot of what happens in skate shops is a big question mark. We don't really know how it works. We don't really know how distro works. We don't really know how to set these things up. And, you know, how is anybody supposed to navigate becoming included in the skateboard industry when I don't think it's necessarily gatekeeping. It's just maybe it's just so much of the stuff is informal. A lot of the the people who put these things together have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, people check out the blacklist and uh, see 
find cool companies through that and go to their local skate shop and be like, hey, can you start carrying it? You know, the skate shop might be into it, but the company might not have the means to be able to produce stuff to send to the other side of the country or whatever, you know? So it's such a, I think supporting black business is such a grassroots thing uh, at this point. You might just have to reach out to them individually, you know, buy the t-shirt, buy the mag, whatever. And it's, yeah, it's not their fault at all. Distribution is a tough thing to get a, get big business going, you know? Yeah. I feel you on that. So Jason and Mike question for y'all, you know, it's skate shop day, you know, it's skate shops day this weekend. And over the last couple of years, especially because of COVID people have been doing stuff by mail order, asking for these companies from the blacklist. But, you know, do y'all feel like what does the industry need to do to respond to that demand? Because as we know, there's supply chain issues in every industry, not just skateboarding. And then there's also the fact that skateboarding is a skateboarding is a bit opaque when it comes to this stuff. How do you how do you get that demand to a critical mass, or how do you have an industry? What's the correct industry response? That's a good question. Well, I mean, it's just like anything; like it's all marketing. So I would just like hype up companies' Instagrams, like for better for worse. That's like the main metric for. Uh, any type of brand. So I would just like hype up their Instagram, ask your local shop, hey, do you carry this or could you order this? That kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's it is visibility, it's promotion, it's there's a couple monoliths. Well, yeah, that's not not exactly the right word for it, but you know, there's these these big, big companies that really have that audience, that ability to reach people. And, you know. Maybe it's up to them to like spread the love a little bit and put the word out. And it, I think I also think there there are some skate shops. You know, there's there's skate shops that have really big audiences on Instagram. I mean, that's where everything's happening. And you know, just just putting putting up black owned companies, their product on on their Instagram pages, and using that audience and using that power to to get it out there is the thing. You know, I, I think kind of kind of dovetailing into what we were talking about a little bit representation wise, this is, this has been, this is kind of a shift of gears, but this has always jumped out to me. You know, there's a lot of mainstream coverage and skate of skating right now. You get your Washington post, your, I don't know, regional large dailies, your alt day, you know, our alt weeklies, whatever, covering the various new pockets of skaters popping up, you know, your LGBTQ, crews meeting up on a Sunday morning and you get, usually it's like the second paragraph of the story, the nut graph that kind of just sums up, you know, here's the state of skateboarding. They'll say long, a province of, you know, white kids from the suburbs, not a lot of diversity, not a lot of women. And I always feel like those, and maybe this is just me. I'm really interested in um, your Alan Patrick's opinions on this, but kind of the conventional wisdom seems to sell contributions granted it's it's a lot mostly dudes up until this point but like you get these mainstream skateboard stories and they gloss over the contributions of like black skaters skaters of color like is that is that a thing am i seeing that and am i imagining it or or does it feel like sometimes it's glossed over well one interesting thing i think it was the la times had a article that was like can skateboarders save the world yep and that whole profile was like bouncing from crew to crew of like you know women and non-binary crews and talking about Clyde and Marty Grimes starting skateboarding in Los Angeles back in the 70s and 
you know, it's all, it's cool to read and like, especially like, you know, people I work with or whatever, like, oh, did you know this about skateboarding? Uh, but I'm like, why can't, you know, all we have right now is Thrasher for the most part. I'm like, why, why couldn't an article like this be in Thrasher, you know, everything? Mm. I just wish there were more. Hellride is fun, but, you know, we, there's other stories to tell, I feel like. And so that's why, you know, it's good for things like Stoops Mag or, you know, Free Skate, any of those things. You know, give us a storytelling element. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Skatron, who I've been neglecting their site for some time and then jumped on and they had a link to a whole bunch of interviews and videos. Like they did a nice little thing about a road trip that um, the gang from Grandma Skateboards did. Uh, shout out to them. Shout out to New Mexico. And to your question, Mike, uh, I think one of the challenges is that American newsrooms and, you know, both you and Jason have journalistic experience, um, and Mike, especially you as a reporter. The unfortunate thing is that because of the shrinking of the local newspaper industry and journalism in general, and you couple that with gentrification and the rising cost of living in lots of big cities, it means that in a lot of mainstream papers, like say in New York and LA, that it's really only those who can afford to be journalists are journalists. And <laughs> that tends to be mostly like white, upper middle class or wealthy, mostly English speaking, like English in the home, like, and no real concept of anything outside of this kind of like mishmash, not really anything. It's like probably the best way to describe them uh, in terms of their worldview is like petit bourgeois, right? And what's frustrating about that is that they miss a lot of the influence that subculture has on stuff that's cool in society. So it's always going to be, you know, they're always going to default to whatever the cliche is. They're not going to take the time to dig deep and understand that there have always been, you know, uh, women in skateboarding. There have always been people of color in skateboarding. There have always been black skateboarders, right? Whatever you want to say. But they're always playing catch up because they were never really interested. They, they, they don't get interested until it's time to actually do the work. And that's what's really frustrating. And that's one of the side effects of that lack of diversity in newsrooms. And it's not just in skateboarding. It's on a whole other host of subjects, right? Um, but back to skating with regards to Thrasher, I think Thrasher has by accident ended up in this position where, you know, Slap has been gone. Transworld no longer, you know, is in print. And Thrasher, because of, you know, a combination of the longevity of Hellride, I mean, Hellride sells, and the fact that they're based in the San Francisco Bay Area and have, you know, folks with a really good sense of technological savvy working with them on things like proprietary video player. That's a huge thing for Thrasher. That means that they can do those exclusives. And then also fashion. Shout out to Rihanna. Shout out to all the models wearing Thrasher t-shirts. So they're, you know, they uniquely ended up in this weird space, but back to getting some really thoughtful and meaningful thoughtful and meaningful journalism about skateboarding it does pop up now and again in skateboard magazines and i think you just have to demand more of it that's part of it and then also one of the most important things you can learn from punk rock and diy cultures if you want to be super literate and write about skateboarding start a zine start your own magazine and that's what a lot of people have done and we you know we're coming into this place now culturally where there's this renaissance of skaters who are writers like um, Jose Vadi, whose book is absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, we had on the show um, very recently, or not recently, goodness, this was months ago, but Kyle Beachy, for example. You know, people who've been writing, you know, who are writers, and when they write about skateboarding, it really comes alive and it's super important. So, you know, in that aspect, we're in a transition area. But, 
yeah, it would be great if the LA Times, Southern California being one of the, you know, the homes of skateboarding, could write more frequently about skating. But, I mean, goodness, we can't even, the LA Times doesn't even write about soccer, you know, on a regular basis. So, so, uh, so Patrick, what you're saying basically is the people who, quote unquote, cover skating in mainstream media are uh, kooks, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, kooks. brilliantly illustrated. I mean, like, and it's, and it's like people who are like super, super corny. Like they're still stuck in like 1992 when they think about skateboarding. And it's so weird because, you know, I think a lot about fashion, right? And fashion and skateboarding have so much in common. And it's the wildest thing. People seem to think it's a weird that skaters are into fashion or that, you know, models and people in the fashion industry crib so much from skating. But, you know, like we're like these kind of weird cult things. And if you're not in it, you would never understand it. And the dedication is rabid. You know, we talked about a couple weeks ago how people will pay Boku dollars for copies of Italian Vogue and things like that. Same thing. You know, I have a friend who said like, yeah, I spent a hundred dollars ordering some Lerpiv trucks because I wanted to support Oski's company. But, you know, we're fanatics. I was just going to say, like, it's, it's interesting. Like, uh, you know, we can all have our, our niche things and our surface things like, uh, for modeling or something. It's like, yeah, I know who Tyra Banks is, but I don't, I'm, I'm not going beyond that. And then like other people are like, oh yeah, Tony Hawk skateboarding, but they're not going beyond that. You know, <laughs> It's fun to all have our, our separate things. That, that sounds like a, like a Kendrick, like Tony Hawk, Tyra Banks. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It's, it's just like with any subculture, you know, like, if you weren't into it or unless you really like really did your homework, I mean, you would know about like, Oh, like Obama McBride, Kareem, Steve Sedum, whatever, just like with hardcore punk rock or whatever, like, Oh, you know, bad brains, you know, Ken Olden, you know what I mean? This goes on and on. So, I mean, there's a black and true to like all types of subculture, but like if you didn't do your homework, like, or you weren't in it, you know what I mean? You probably wouldn't know about it. Oh, Here's the other thing. Now, you, 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 Jason, you've touched upon something very, very important. If you grew up skating in the 90s, you were definitely going to be called white. Cousins, your siblings, your friends. Somebody was going to be like, man, why are you doing that white boy shit? Al, when do you think? What, what turned that off? Like, when did that? I'm sure there's still people, still people saying it. But, like, for you, does it still happen? Or, like, was there a cutoff date? Did something happen in skating? No, I think, I don't know. I got... I, I grew up I grew up in Colorado, so I grew up doing a lot of white people things. Like I played ice hockey, <laughs> I snowboarded, you know. And uh, I went to I went to elementary school in the inner city, but then I went to the suburbs for middle school. So I think part of me getting into skateboarding was like I'm going to do what these white kids do. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I don't know, like a year into skating or something, when I started going to like contests and demos and stuff all the like good kids in the scene were black kids. And like uh, Lee Smith talked to me about it. He's like, I don't, when I started skating, it was all black kids. Like he just automatically met, <laughs> now I'm forgetting everybody, LeVar and all those, like all the EMB dudes. He was like, I just met those dudes at a curb. It was all black kids, you know? But I do know that that's the, that's the stereotype that goes down. And I really think that Kareem Campbell being in Tony Hawk Pro Skater is what started removing that a little bit. When people that weren't skaters started playing Tony Hawk, especially, you know, black kids and stuff, and they were like, oh, Kareem does this, and then you get to see his secret tape, and you're like, oh, he's dope. <laughs> Skateboarding's <laughs> for everybody, let's go. I think another thing that helped too is, um, I remember we'd have these family parties, and like all my, you know, 
cousins would come over, but then also like a, a lot of other folks in the Ugandan community. And, you know, I had a very similar background to you, Al, like uh, elementary school, in the, uh, you know, started elementary school in the inner city in Yonkers, moved further out into the suburbs, mostly white kids, almost entirely white kids. Um, and so most of the black people I hung out with were other Africans. So mostly Ugandans and Kenyans and then some West Indians. So some Jamaicans and Haitians. I think the thing that ended it amongst like the, the folks in the inner circle was Trilogy. Because I would play Trilogy for my cousins and they loved the soundtrack and they loved LeVar. And yo, Kareem, oh my God. Kareem, like we should probably take a second. Like <laughs> is Kareem Campbell, is he like, if you had to like have like one of those like hood t-shirts like with the airbrush like faces of like uh black excellence you know like kind of like you have like um black history t-shirts with like you'll have like malcolm martin nelson mandela if you had to pick three to put on a t-shirt who would they be and this is for everybody and i think you gotta put you gotta put kareem looking one way and keenan looking the other way on the t-shirt you know with like peanut brown looking over him or something like that yo (laughs) how many people are on mount rushmore like four 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 who's a who's a mount rushmore of black skateboarding no it'd probably be like uh yeah kareem keenan stevie stevie's like been huge culturally with just like dgk blowing up and everything and i would even i'd put lavar dude lavar should have gotten his flowers a long time ago. Like I think Clyde said this in the uh, the commentary for Twenty Shot World Black set. Like he was so good, like that people didn't know how to process it. Like he could do every fucking trick, and I don't know what happened, but like in his window, like he was the shit. He was like a fucking Guy Mariano type of transcendent talent. Oh yeah, he's untouchable. And like when you watch when you watch Cater, and we'll get to this when we talk about the Baker video. Like you see echoes of Lavar, like. Uh, Dog, Lev- yo, Lavar with those green. I think it was like uh, those green Air Forces, like the high top joints. Skating Hubba, yo, my God, he was so good. Mike, who's uh, who's on your uh, hood T-shirt, swap meet T-shirt, Black <laughs> Excellence, or uh, Black Round Mount Rushmore of skateboarding? I'm doing the same as Jason, except with the swap. So that's going to be Keenan, Kareem, Stevie, and I'm putting on a shot. Oh, right, right, okay. Because yeah, that dude, that. like, yeah. you, at least two years ago, maybe it's changed, I don't know, but I feel like we even talked about it on this podcast. You pull every kid against the, like, I'm thinking of my indoor skate park local here in Minneapolis. Like, you pull every kid at Familia HQ who's standing against the back wall, like, waiting to skate. Every single kid, 17 and under, I don't know, that's a, that's a random cutoff, but they're saying a shot as their fam- favorite skater. Like that dude's got as much juice as anybody's like in a lot of ways anybody's ever had just because of how big skating is and how big that dude is. So is he the greatest of all time? Does he stand up against Kareem? Not yet. Not yet. Al, what's, what's he missing? What is he shod missing? What does he need to do to get to that transcendent level? That is Kareem. I think he's got, I think he's got to start some businesses. He's got to become a entrepreneur or something. You know, I think that's what really set, uh, Kareem apart back in the day you know he took his business away from from world and set out to try and do it on his own but I don't know because Ashad is amazing he inspired me to start rocking a chain you know he's younger than me so <laughs> yo he's he's, he's for me. real for real because like wasn't uh we, we now go to our resident uh dwindle slash world industries expert Jason 
Mastermind, which was the distro company for Kareem stuff, that was under Dwindle, right? As far as I know, yeah, because Action, as far as I know, Action was under the auspices of World, as was City City Stars for a while. Like he brought it back like a few years ago. It was kind of weird. That that was his own shit, but. As far as I know, City Stars for as as long as it went on till like 2002 or whatever was under the auspices of the world. Yeah, because you know, because he had uh, Menace, which then became All City City Stars. He had Action, just like he was Diaka watches. Oh my god, yeah, yo, Diaka watches. Wow. It was like, yo, that was, like, that. It was like that was him. It, yep. it, was, it was like Muska, Kareem, and someone else. I can't remember. Industry, yeah. had, inter- industry had so much money, dude. From, like, from Swatch to Diaka, like, <laughs> there's, like not a, there's not a single watch company right now. That's they're like, yeah, we're gonna start a, a luxury watch company. <laughs> Nixon watches are they still on? They still doing things? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still yeah, doing it. Still, I mean, what? Chicken. Like you seventy? Oh, I heard you. I heard that. <laughs> Wait, oh, hold yeah. up. That reminds me. We forgot to mention someone extremely important. Um, Sean Sheffy. Oh yo! Wait, 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 wait! Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Jeff, like Sal. 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 Yeah, Sal. Sal. Sal's a legend. I, I mean, it's, be it's, on it's kind of Rushmore. unfair, isn't it? Like, also because like mm-hmm. Sheffy, Sheffy was a beast. Sheffy's window was absolutely wild from like the life video until I guess um, virtual reality. Would you say that was like his peak? Yeah, I, you might even extend that to Goldfish. Because his stuff, he had mouse. a few tricks in Goldfish. Oh, yeah, Mouse. mouse, mouse but Mouse, mouse right. like his Mouse part skating to James Brown was amazing. Mouse, um, mouse, in Mouse, he started that whole fucking uh, like over the back like rail trend. Hell yeah. Yeah, yo, innovative dude. And, and like, yo, the only man who stepped to a member of Wu-Tang and lived to tell the tale. <laughs> like grab the mic from Method Man. And didn't get MTV. killed on the spot. MTV Music Sports Festival, 1997. Yeah, where Rick Howard skated to pavement, which should have worked, but I don't know. MTV screwed that one up. But that looked like it was hectic, but at the same time, a lot of fun. So, uh, oh, oh, on, real, please. real quick, just like where where we start riffing on all these dudes that really are foundational in skating. I think you know, innovators, trendsetters, business owners. You know, in the industry, Sal had, had the shoe had really influential companies like aesthetics 23 like it's it i i guess going back to that earlier point about that whole history being just omitted to like fit a narrative for a lot of stories in the non-skate media i think that's that's what gets me it's like what like okay you're trying to prove a point white boy sport until you know a whole lot of more interesting people flooded in and it's even better now, but like you can't gloss over all that. I was going to say Sal's a big one, like uh, with 23, cause that was Jason Dill and Anthony Van Eglin for a while, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So it's like, I mean, can't really say would we have gotten Jason Dill and Abe without 23? I mean, True. Probably, that was but... the transition company <laughs> because Dill for a while was like not lost, but definitely like hanging out in San Francisco, being a wild boy, you know, during that transition period, period where he was on like Fit was the board company and C and O wheels. But anyway, yeah, you're right. Like him getting on 23 was a thing that was a springboard that eventually led to him getting on Alien, which then you know brings me to this other thing. You know, I think one of the more challenging things to discuss when we talk about black folks in skateboarding uh, and the industry is that there's some sad tales and. 
you know, Phelps, you know, the late Jake, you know, Jake Phelps had said, you know, skateboarding doesn't owe you shit. Um, but when you couple that with a lot of the, I don't know, the combination of like, the combination of the lack of a social safety net in America, plus the fact that, you know, if you're black, you're, you know, challenged with the issues of institutional racism, this, that, and the third, like, there are some, you know, there's a lot of pros, regardless of backgrounds, who have gotten a raw deal, uh, but there have been some straight up tragedies, you know, you bought up Keenan Milton, for example, there's a lot of, you know, we've lost a lot of really good people, uh, some cases to the streets, some, you know, some guys got into trouble, some guys are still getting into trouble, and not to kind of racialize that conversation, it's probably part of a bigger conversation about how can the industry help people transition from when their, you know, when their career ends, like, that's probably a, a big one, you know, you look at it through the lens of what I, what's life after skateboarding, what can the industry do, not really much, but I don't know. I mean, Al, have have you? Is this something that you've given much thought, or is this something that you know has come up as you've been working on the newsletter and as you've been interviewing people and like just like thinking about being a black man in America? You know? No, absolutely. Um, like you know, one person I'd I'd love to put on that Rushmore uh, is Antoine because mm. you know, like you know, kind of like PJ Ladd, or I was a little too young for the Pat Duffy, but you know, it's somebody that comes out. The first time you see him and you're like, okay, that's my favorite skater for life. Like it just hits so hard on that first try. And Anton really had that and he had all the juice behind him. And it was just, you know, skateboarding is not the most supportive environment to, you know, doing the best things with your life. And so you're just going to throw money and throw money at a kid. You know, what do you think might happen? So that's kind of a rough aspect about skateboarding is that, you know, it's not the most the most responsible way to grow up and, and make a dollar and then have a future afterwards, you know? That's a really good point. I mean, and Antoine was, my God, he was, you know, you, saw, you, used to, you used to see kids trying to skate like him, you know, the super casual, relaxed, not even moving the shoulders. Like he is far more influential than he gets credit for. And what's sad is that a lot of people just remember the epically later of him just being like, do, 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 you know, just like partying and wilding, smoking a bong. And it sucks. Like it's, it's really, really, it's shitty because there's a whole bunch of factors that have nothing to do with skateboarding. Plus, you know, Antoine's free will. He has choice. He has some agency in these matters, but at the same time though, it's skating doesn't really have answers for something like this. And, you know, opening it out to up to everybody. Like, uh, skateboarding is hitting that crossroads where a lot more people are looking at it and a lot more people are doing it. And yet, in some aspects, that that part of skating hasn't really changed. Like, shit can go left for you real quick. I mean, what do y'all think? Well, yeah, I mean, there's still a deal with, like, you know, health insurance and whatnot. For a while, I think Powell was the only company that offered their riders health insurance. But, yeah, it's like you can blow your knee out and, like, you know, boom, you're done. Right, right. I mean, it's like part of the game, I guess, you know, but yeah, there really isn't a uh, safety net or like, there's not like a player, there's not like a players association, like in the NBA or something, you know, to help people out or like a pension, like at the NFL or dude, there's nothing, nothing like that. So yeah, but that's just kind of like part of the game. You're just like, you're an independent contractor, you know, pretty uh, yeah. much. Yeah, I think it's high time for something. What does SAG stand for? Why am I blanking? Screen Actors Guild? Yeah, I mean, it's something like, not 
I know nothing about this. <laughs> I'll say at the outset, that doesn't seem like, you know, the NBA players union where there's a real, real structure, but there's rates, you know, with the screen actors guild, just a little bit of something. And maybe, you know, that, that backup of insurance to save the blown knee or the broken ankle or whatever, you know, there, there, there should be a low level of organization that, you know, if us independent ass minded skaters could buy into would really, uh, I think, raise the tide and make things better for everybody. If, you know, it feels like um, I remember some years ago, somebody had mentioned maybe skateboarding doing something or professional or sponsored skaters, both amateur or professional flow, maybe trying to band together and put together something along the lines of the Professional Tennis Players Association. Yeah. Um, you know, not even really a union, but just like something, something that would help set a standard for salaries and maybe they could, you know, bond together and put together insurance. But this is a conversation that's been going back for three decades now. And we have to give credit to the uncle of black skateboarding. Of course, we speak of Clyde Singleton because Clyde's been speaking about this since the 90s. And Clyde Singleton definitely deserves like at least maybe his own T-shirt. Because he's not only been outspoken about issues of race and very candid and sometimes just straight up funny about it, but also issues of labor rights. And it's unfortunate, it's actually criminal that somebody like him is not appreciated more, even though he was so far ahead of the curve talking about these issues, right? You know, and, and talking about them, you know, very, very, with, with like great detail and expertise. You know, he wasn't kind of blundering his way around the point. He was really talking about, he was talking about race. And I think it's just a question of who's really going to do it. But, you know, the thing is, Clyde is doing other things with his life. Like, is there anybody, it's going to fall on the younger skaters to make that decision to bring skateboarding into the 21st century. I mean, it can't go on like this, at least in the U.S. You know, in other countries where you have uh, some semblance of national health care, it's not as much of an issue, but the, the total absence of a decent um, a decent safety net is a thing that it definitely affects skaters of color more, but it affects all skateboarders. It definitely affects sponsored skaters in general. And really, it's, somebody's got to take that stand or some bodies. It can't just be one person. Yeah, that's a tough one, too, for uh, and especially for like people of color. You know, say you were a skateboarder and you never had a real job. All of a sudden, you got to go get one, and you know it's like a it's a funny Twitter joke, but it's like, can you explain this app in your resume? <laughs> well, I was a skateboarder for a long time, you know, and for most skateboarders, it's like they don't they might not have other skills, like they might never have had a real job. So it's you know it's hard being a black person getting a job in general, you know, if you don't have the skills of any kind at all either. It's even harder. I mean, preach. I mean, preach. I mean, that's really, really tough. And it's it's something that skateboarding needs or skate media needs to get better in talking about because, like you said, that gap in your resume, also like just even like a lack of structure. And this is not to say that every skateboarder needs to go out there and be like, yes, I'm going to get a job after I finish my career. And like, like, go out, like, go out, like go out and like pound the pavement and like, you know, <laughs> and, like the that's another Twitter joke. Like, why don't you just go out and pound the pavement and give everyone your resume? Why, yes, I would like to be a software developer. <laughs> you, you, you paperclip some stickers from your board sponsor onto your resume. Hand them out. Yeah. <laughs> Sweeten the deal. Yep. I mean, we, we laugh about it, but I mean, like, 
uh, you read interviews, people say that there's like dog, like I had to learn how to do, you know, I, I spent so many years traveling, my travel was taken care of, you know, I never thought twice about money, I didn't worry about things, and all of a sudden I'm out here on my own and like, oh, I gotta be grown. It's an age-old story, man. And I will say, um, Al, I was stoked that Emmerich Pratt came up in the newsletter right up. Um, he's a buddy and he is just a ripper. So I was I was happy to see him come up as a street grabber. I I yeah. Melon backside lip on a handrail, stale fish lip. It was gnarly. I've uh, seen him. I've seen him kickflip melon a four stair, and he basically like doubled up the height of the four stair and tweaked it. Guy's amazing. You were yeah, so em- Emmerich is a cool one. Uh, was what was the company he was on back in the day? Was it Status? Or- uh, he wrote for Elenium for a minute. Elenium, maybe. He was turned pro by IOTA skateboards out of Minneapolis, and then he was on Consolidated for a while. Maybe it's IOTA I'm thinking of, but I just remember seeing him in the mags back in the day, and maybe like a couple of clips in a Logic video or something, I want to say, but he was he was like an enigmatic figure to me, because there wasn't a lot of coverage that I could find, you know, when I was 13 years old, and so he was just always kind of in the back of my mind, and yeah, Jamil Douglas brought him up, and I was like, we kind of geeked out about Emmerich for a second. I was like, that's sick. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Always been a fan. So love it. Yeah. Stoked. Yeah. He, he gets out on a Saturday morning here and there. And I mean, he's, nice. he's always on point. Loose ass trucks. He skates incredibly loose crux trucks. Crux like, trucks. Like day one yeah. loose. Like his front truck is weird loose. I mean, he's not doing bushings on bush or not bushing on bushing washer on washer, but like, he picks up his board and the thing is just dangling. Yeah, whatever it takes, get those grabs. <laughs> Do it. Now, with Valentine's Day firmly in the rearview mirror, we're still being surprised with sweet treats. This time, it's a brand new Baker video with full parts from Andrew, Zach, and Rowan. Jason, what makes a Baker video so special? Especially this one. Well, you know, this one's um, especially special because it showcased Andrew Reynolds with the first part. And I think this might be my favorite iteration of Reynolds. You had the uh, the end. You had like the uh, Strong's era. He was ripping. You had like the sober era. Like this is skateboarding. But like I've never even watched this is skateboarding all the way through. I've never even seen his part in it because it was just like, uh, this is just like stock tricks downstairs, whatever. I don't care. You know, that that's kind of what I thought his career, you know, his whole thing was. Oh, just like front side flips downstairs like yeah, yeah, yeah. i've like seen him many times but like this iteration he, it's really like low impact realistic skating for a 44 year old person you know he'll do like three trick line with like a semi basic ledge trick and then like a flip, flip trick and then maybe something like down some stairs it's it's inspirational for me because i'm like yeah I, I won't i'm not gonna be like you know very healing like triple set or something but like i could do like a two trick line kind of like that you know so yeah this is my favorite iteration around so far everyone's been stoked on like his instagram footage and shit but yeah i'm stoked that he came out with like an according to hoyle part in a skate video in a full-length skate video this time around what's that mean according to hoyle just like official officially official al what'd you think you know, uh, overall i thought it was a i thought it was a good little piece i got through, i saw the teaser on instagram and they had the street hassle song playing 
So then the video actually starts and it's like the same footage from the teaser, but they were using that that song that Stefan Janowski skated to in the Habitat video, but it was a cover of it. So I was like, I was like, oh shit, what's going on here? And then Reynolds, you know, he just he just came through and started putting things down. And I, I love him like at this age, uh, like Jason was saying, he's got a little bit of like an everyman. Like you can see he skates that island manual pad and you're like, I could find an island manual pad and do some tricks down it. Like it, it's like kind of inspirational where it's like some of the things are within reach. I mean, most of it though, it's like he's Andrew Reynolds. You can't do that. But yeah, super, super inspirational, I thought. And a good track too. Hell yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the music for a second. I loved it, but like, is like the uh, is this like all boomer like music supervision? What's hot in the streets? You know what I mean? Like John Lennon, Deep Cut, uh, Todd Rundgren, you know Lou Reed, like two Lou Reed tracks. Was it two Lou Reed tracks or just one? Two Lou Reed tracks. Normally Lou they Reed, use yeah. they use um, Baker's thing has been using Simple Minds' cover of Street Hassle, which is like a condensed Ooh. version of Lou Reed's very long song. But yeah, this time they used uh, the original Lou Reed joint, which so good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tight because, like, you know, I'm whatever, Gen X or whatever, so I remember all this shit from, like, AOR radio in, like, the 80s or whatever. But I don't know. Something about, like, that, like, old 70s shit just, like, goes with skate footage really well. I don't know what it is. Can't quite put my finger on it. I mean, you know, Mike, are you feeling those old-time rock and roll vibes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, it's, it's always something that Baker's done. It's always been their aesthetic all the way back to Baker 2G, I want to say, but I didn't watch that video much because there was too much BS in it. Sorry, hijinks lovers. I think it's, yeah, it's just part of their aesthetic. And I mean, they mix it up too. Like Lucas Weisenthal pointed out that, that I guess this is still old music, but he pointed out that that Max Dude's kinky curvy board slide, wow, was, excuse me, sorry, set to like a really obscure ghost face beat. And I'm trying to think, like, it, it just, like, alternated between, like, 70s old rock, some hip-hop, back to old rock. And I think it's just their aesthetic. It works. Like, they've got the track record to pull that off. It's not a gimmick. And it's also just a vibe because, you know, one thing that really stood out to me about this video is just, and it, and it pulls from Baker 4 as well, just that there's, like, a air of gratitude in these movies they make. Like, they just seem to love skating. They love skating with their friends, and that really comes through. And I mean, maybe that's like an old guy thing because there's old guys in the videos. But even amongst their, their younger skaters, that you, you get that sense. And what's... Yeah, it, it's super... Uh, they're super affectionate with those young kids. There's like there's an affection. It's, it's super good. You were saying, though, Patrick. Um, yeah, and you're right. And I, I think what's weird is that we talked about this a little bit in the first half about how shit can get real bad as a professional skater. And that's been a recurring theme for uh, the whole Baker and Death Wish crew. And what's interesting is it's almost like they're letting the young cats kind of figure it out. And they're definitely partying and they're definitely having fun. But it's nowhere nearly to the level of Reynolds and company like 20 years ago where like visibly like, like them boys was wild. You know, Alyssa Steamer with them, she was throwing down same thing and i liked i liked i liked the like the nice uh i'm always so happy to see her in a video you know she's so awesome from from day one in welcome to hell but um okay tough question is reynolds responsible for whether or not his younger riders are wilding out or not and like granted like you can only do so much just like getting really stoned 
as some of the younger Baker Baker cats can do. What do y'all think? Or is it like, hey, it's your personal choice. It's your life. Can't tell you what to do if you're a grown adult. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can really like tell anyone what to do. I think like, I mean, everyone's different, but you know, uh, from my, you know, from what I've seen or whatever, someone if someone's in that position, like they kind of have to hit rock bottom and ask for help, unless you have an intervention or something. Don't really know how that goes, but yeah, I think you have to let people figure it out and uh, they have to like ask for help. I think you can't like, you know, tell some, you know, stop, stop drinking or whatever. Like what? That's not going to work. Al? So, that's just my opinion. What's, what's your yeah. two cents, Al? Well, uh, I think they're like Ellington and Andrew have kind of been criticized for like the whole Antoine thing or whatever. I don't think that that's necessarily their responsibility. But like what's encouraging to me and kind of even backing up a little bit more, uh, like Zach Allen, I lurk on slap sometimes and slap just rips that poor kid apart. <laughs> and it, like, it really makes me sad because I think he's pretty cool or whatever. But what's cool is to see that how Andrew and Eric have kind of like kept Zach Allen under their wing, you know, and it's like he's on the leaning shoes. He's on a bunch of companies with Reynolds, like with Ruka and stuff. Know if they're still doing that but it's like you can you can tell that they like really care about him and they're like we want you to shine and we want to give you all the tools you need to keep doing this you know and it's cool to see him doing his thing and he rips oh oh yeah i thought those were leanings yo those are wild yeah <laughs> some of those leanings are wild bro yeah i did some like rudimentary research about like who's on leaning or whatever and it's like a bunch of nba players like jimmy butler Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade still has a pro model, even though he's been retired for a couple of years, which is crazy. But yeah, some of those are wild, dude. Like I, I looked on like StockX or whatever, they're like four hundred bucks and shit. Good yeah, lord, that's a lot of Portland money. Trailblazer CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum. Yeah. <laughs> where did where did he get traded to? Uh, he's down in New Orleans now. He got traded to the Pelicans. Oh yeah, yeah. CJ yeah. McCollum. Yeah, those are those are pretty uh pretty progressive for sure. But yeah, Zach. What's like the slap uh, take? Like he doesn't deserve to be pro or something. Yeah, just, like who is this kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is this kid? Who does he think he is? He doesn't deserve to be sponsored. I'm as good as him. You know all that <laughs> kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, like I, I was, I had kind of hadn't heard of him before. Like I think he had a little part in some other Baker video when he was skating like the smallest handrail in the world, like this little like wooden rail. But I thought he ripped, man. I think he deserves to be pro. Like mm-hmm. the like Calero kickflip that was crazy that one like 360 like i don't know 360 ollie flip whatever you call it 360 kick flip with the body down some stairs that was the ollie kick flip 360 ollie i i I gotta say i gotta say and i never like to say this like i somewhat have to agree with the slap board just in terms of like all right what 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 does everybody see in this kid based on alan's like previous output i was kind of like i don't know about this but he came through in this video like yeah. Uh, one, I mean, it was like a one-footed ollie to one-footed backsmith, and that sounds like a terrible trick when you say it out loud, but it was awesome. And just like he's kind of funky looking on a skateboard, but oh, yeah. in a good way. And he does—I don't know—like it was really awesome. And I do wonder if Reynolds and company just kind of saw like, oh, this dude's this dude's gonna come up, like this dude's gonna—it's gonna come together, and he's gonna be great because he was great. True. And Reynolds definitely has the eye. By the way, that uh, was it. Cab kick flip down the, the the big stairs. Did y'all notice like how he 
he arcs his foot down to get his catch when he's going down steps. Like it's almost like the, the board is dipping downwards. Oh yeah, yeah. With like the three sixty ollie flip or whatever you want to call it, like it almost looked like his foot was going to catch the board and it was going to do like a weird like whatever you call it, like half flip, like castle flip or whatever. But yeah, yeah, there, he did have a little bit of that going on. However, he did throw in a crooked grind tail grab in there, which I cannot condone. I cannot condone grabbing your board on lead tricks or handrail tricks. <laughs> but other than that, he ripped. So speaking of this balance that Baker does between the older sober heads and the young wild kids, like it seems like they figure out figured out a way to make that work without completely tossing, you know, the whole Baker image and vibe out the window. Like it, it like it works. Like is there any other company that is able to occupy those two spaces at once? Like like nothing. old heads plus but like old heads who are into health and wellness and sobriety plus Young cats who are wilding. Oh well, uh, fucking awesome, obviously. Yeah, but I don't feel like it's so it's as explicit or or you know like Dave exists, but Dill's not really putting stuff out right now. Yeah, yeah, Dill's yeah, Dill's so like Ave. Who else is like is Gino still on fucking awesome? Yes, last I checked, like, and I think like didn't uh, FA and hockey or maybe it was just hockey that they just came off of a trip, so maybe there's a video something coming soon. Yeah, that'd be tight. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just Ave really, and Dill's kind of like the uh, the underboss or whatever. But yeah, really can't think of another team that has that same kind of construction. Yeah, they might they might be unique in that respect. I might be wrong, but yeah, I'm not sure. But there's something. Yeah, you're right. Like um, Jason and Al, you both pointed this out that there's something like really fun and wholesome. And I think the other nice thing was I watched this video twice. If only the kind of video like you would throw on in a shop and everybody would be quiet. Did you all get that 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 kind of vibe? Like it was the kind of it would prompt you know real reverence and attention from the viewers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they focused on who they focus on. It was mainly like Andrew. Cater had like a line. It was Zach and Rowan. But let we talk about Rowan for a second. Like he might be like the the quarterback of the team. Like all right, well if you're gonna use that analogy, Reynolds is definitely the quarterback. So Rowan would probably be like the cleanup hitter of the team. You know what I mean? Like he might be the best skater, skater on um, Baker. Cause like he can do anything. He can do like the weird Wally shit. He can jump down and stuff. He can do ledges. Yeah. He might be one of the best dudes out right now. Like this part was probably better than his Vans part from a while back. Yeah. And he skates super fast and he like lands things with authority and he like barely has a stance. He can go either direction. Uh, what was that one? He did like a backside switch, backside 180 down a big set of stairs, and then a switch frontside flip. And he did it twice. The first one was like kind of sketchy, but he could have used it and did it again. <laughs> and then did a mirror line of that as well with a backside 180 and a switch flip, switch frontside flip. Yeah, it was like, like Gitchies and all those. But yeah, he's amazing. They they totally tricked me with that edit because. I think he caught it like in the very first one, he did the front side flip and he caught it weird and his front foot as he was landing came off and then he did it again. And then he did it third time. I'm like, why are they showing this a third time? <laughs> I did not understand it was switched right away. Yeah. He's ever since he did that uh, backside nollie flip over the bench, at China banks, I was kind of like, Oh, this dude's magical. And he remains being magical. I, I really want to, he's, he's one of those guys where I can't gauge 
like I'm, I'm kind of a little dude skating so i'm always interested like fellow little dudes and he seems like he might be one or he could be you know just a solid like five foot nine and a half and not be all that interesting but yeah he's he's got it he's got a lot of it he's really good he's so good love him in supreme edits love him in supreme videos i think the other thing about him that's really interesting is for the, in this video in particular talking about the music why is it that todd rundgren works in a baker video but not in 917 yeah well baker, baker's got it like that they've been doing it like that you were saying jason oh the thing about the 917 video is it was kind of all over the place like they had like mill and colin and some random like noise it wasn't really random noise but like noisy indie rock or whatever you know you think it would be like just like whatever paradise garage type shit or whatever but they didn't really do that so but yeah like mike said baker's been running like the um boomer shit for uh a while like they'll do like i don't know like uh johnny winter or whatever or like the fuck bob seeger and then do like some like uh three six or whatever that's part of their aesthetic at this point Props to them for pulling out a, not just a John Lennon deep cut, but like from Walls and Bridges. And it worked so well. And like that felt amazing. It looked, and it looked so good, you know, seeing someone skating to that era of John Lennon. We've got Bobby Keys on saxophone. And then, like you just mentioned, the fact that the whole Baker set, that they can balance that with 3 6 Mafia. That's basically my car right there. And, I don't know. Like, there's, uh, there's Todd something... Rundgren. You're uh, you drive around LA like bumping some uh, Todd Rundgren. No, not not Rundgren. Like uh, mid seventies, like Lennon. I, I oh, recently yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got that George Harrison box set some years ago, and it has a bunch of his stuff from like seventy three, seventy four. It's nowhere nearly as bad as it gets credit for. And he's got some. <laughs> uh, he's got like a bunch of like Tom Scott and LA Express as his backing band. So it, it gets George Harrison can get a little bit funky. But the fact that you could go from that to three six is just amazing and it just and it works like you said i guess it's it's their vibe it's their thing it's something that actually gets me stoked yeah it's almost like a like a stoner thing in a way oh i don't know maybe that maybe that's the connection i don't know but yeah either way it's pretty fucking cool it's an aesthetic just like andrew reynolds evolution of new era caps has been new era what team does he support, by the way? Because like for years he was rocking a Braves hat. Now I'm seeing him in a Yankees fitted. Like I had the Braves hat based on him, and I was wearing like you know baseball baseball shirts that vaguely match that hat. Yeah. Well, he was wearing a uh, quarter snacks hat. Was that a quarter snacks hat? Yeah, that's a quarter snacks hat. Okay. Yeah, I kept seeing it and wondering. Yeah, it's a quarter snacks racing hat from uh, Al. Al, anything to add on the hat? Oh, I mean, he got the Atlanta hat from listening to Outcast. Yes. And so then I was like, I was wearing the hat because of Reynolds. And then I heard that and I was like, no, no, I'm wearing the hat because I like Outcast. And then, uh, I don't know, he was also in the in the newest part wearing a Yankees hat. And I was like, okay, now this guy's all over the place. And I was wondering, maybe it was one of those all-timers ones. Maybe not. I don't Ooh. know. But... <laughs> Yeah, guys all over with his hats. He's just he's just got the drip in general. He does. The way he can wear a sweatshirt, like the way a sweatshirt drapes over <laughs> him is just it's something else. He he's good he's angles and just like yeah, he's something about the arms. Yeah, he's it all works. I feel like we were robbed. I wish we could have seen back in the day more Reynolds skating in New York. Like I love seeing him skate in New York City. Yo, he's, my buddy texted me like 
because his first trick is at that one ledge that was recent. It was knob forever, but now it's open. And I know that we say like his skating somewhat accessible now, but okay, 360 flip up a three stair and then like frontside flip a 10. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, the Dag Park hello. I yeah. always wondered why that spot didn't wasn't like more popular than it was. Like, cause at the bottom of that set, that hubba, there's like a gigantic like plaza with ledges like forever. And I think they knobbed them like 2001 or something. Yeah, but I always I think wondered it, I think why it got capped. Yeah, like the whole place got knobbed. I always wonder why why it didn't blow up. But uh, oh yeah, he probably just got a Yankee fitted because he was in New York. Like you know, does he have other New York clips though? That's what my buddy texted me about. He's like, I can't think of other New York clips from Reynolds. No, I didn't notice any New York spots besides that one. Yeah, but he he, he did he frontside flip the banks well the banks wall. That was a while ago. I yeah, think. it was a minute ago. I want to say, say he might have skated that D seven set. Yeah, that seems like something back in. Yeah, like I know there was a lot of Baker footage on that thing, but I'm trying yeah. to remember if Reynolds yeah. had something there. We should mention uh, podcast friend Ian Browning on Village Psychic just interviewed Andrew Reynolds about um, rules of skateboarding, signature tricks. Check it out. Shout it's out in the show Ian. notes. So shout out to Ian, definitely stoked yep. on Village Psychic. And this is the part of the show where we like to talk about what we're stoked on. Al, what are you stoked on this week? This week, I'm stoked on black bobsledders. Uh, probably the first thing, one of the first things I was ever stoked on in my life was cool runnings. I made a bobsled out of a cardboard box when I was like six years old. And I'd just sit in that thing and watch cool runnings. So to see all these... <laughs> black bobsledders on the olympics uh in the last week that was super cool to me and uh i was like hey that could have been me but oh well still could be you mike what are you stoked on this week tomorrow as of this recording i'm going to get my kid a passport she is five years old i wrote her height down on the passport application as three foot six She's a little shorty. Um, i'm just really excited about a like this little growing up moment but also b the prospect of international travel because like that just wasn't even a possibility. I don't know for the past two and a half. No, it's just two years, but pretty happy to have that on the table. And it's a rad prospect now. And it's fun to do stuff with my kid. Where are y'all going? Are y'all going to Ibiza? Um, Ibiza's on the list or or so I (laughs) pretend. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Um, it's just like, Oh shit. World might be turning around. So it's like, Let's do this. I mean, I mean, Ibiza. 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 Yeah. Dime yeah, Glory Challenge. I would take her to Montreal in a heartbeat. <laughs> so I'd have to, I'd have to find like an au pair or something. Cause well, unless she could handle it. I mean, she's, she's interested in skating right now. So she can keep up. She can come. Uh, Jason, what are you stoked on? Well, we talked about uh, Venture Riders or Venture Rider Kater Silla earlier in the pod. As such, I am stoked on Venture Trucks made in San Francisco, California. Also, um, talking about like excellent, stellar, transcendent black skaters, uh, Ray Barbie, the memory screen guy who makes those re-edits, just did one with Ray Barbie. And yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome, man. Like I missed a lot of the tricks in it because like I wasn't seeing firm videos or whatever. And I didn't watch every single four-on-one, but yeah, some of the shit in there is uh, pretty magical. So yeah, that's definitely some some cool shit. A Ray Barbie memory screen, and uh, stoked on some Eurotech shit. This video called Duke Ray, 
by Hadrian Buhanik. Sorry if I butchered that name. It's like some of the usual suspects like uh, Gustav Tonneson. The standout here was this kid Leo Cholet, who like fucking rips and uh, was still to see that Bercy is back for some reason. I don't know how. I thought they demolished it, but yeah, the Bercy letters are back. So that's definitely a nice shot of uh, early uh, early aughts nostalgia for sure. Uh, Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on Spitfire Wheels. I just set up a park board with some 60 millimeter joints. It's a Whoa. Boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Cater or Hader. Um, um, I got to enjoy Patrick O'Dell's uh, moving sale, sidewalk sale, which is really, really cool. Got a, some really cool prints. Got a print of Cat Power as well as some sci-fi fantasy stuff on uh, wholesale price from Jerry Sue. Stoked on the Harold Hunter Foundation Best Trick Contest this past weekend. Uh, shout out to Moose and E for hosting and also for Brandon Turner being our special guest. That was really amazing. He is the man and he is so good in person. And finally, I'm stoked on Iggy Pop's High On You. I listened to a whole bunch of early 80s Iggy Pop or excuse me, late 80s Iggy Pop before putting on the Baker video. And it really got me hyped. It was a great way to pregame for it. And hey... That's it for our show. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links and other show notes. Until then, you can keep up with us online. Al, where can the people find you on RZA's Bobby Digital Internet? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Al's Skate House, A-L-S-S-K-A-T-E-H-O-U-S-E. And you can find me on Twitter at Al's S House. Mike, where can the people find you? Ooh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle, both places, at M. Munzenreiter. And Al, I think we'd be remiss without letting people know about, um, how can they get that newsletter of yours? Oh, yeah. Um, so it's just nosliders.substack.com. Perfect. Uh, thrown to Jason, where can we find you? On Instagram, at FrozenCarbonite. Twitter, at Carbonite1994. And writing stuff for com. new shit in the works patrick where can the people find you you can find me on twitter at colonel k speaks or on instagram at pikigongo and with that it's the end of our show be safe enjoy black history month and please take care of yourself later yo thanks al for coming on thank you al. Yes, thanks for having me thanks bro Ooh, man. yeah check it out y'all one two we back up in this joint Water trout, Al Dews dug her back out inside the dugout. Heard the pussy was good, big niggas fell victim. Mentally stripped, and one guard turned Christian. She no magic, soaking wet pussy on the matches. Skin like Cleopatra's, the leading actor. She been fucking since we went to 14. Look at Miss Thing with a ponytail, kept a jaw Vaseline. She's a big girl now with a body that growl like Wiz murder trout. Smile attract crowds. Most niggas like the Lord over this broad. Big niggas in their jaws pose, one knee on the floor. Little kids daydream of humping wildflower Honor barbara fame, Harado Rivera Fat ass wrist, big asses, colorful lips Wide hips, spoiler kicks Chrome dip, wearing new kicks Plus G's, booming beats Loud horn beats, crowded streets Confusion, yo, the heat is on Yo, it's too black, it's too strong And one hour, Wu-Tang Clan is about to perform Police barricade, sidewalk, crowd of light parades Your arena now present the event of the decade Long braids and fades 
foreheads, finger waves, extensions, nails, Friday just got paid. Helena, your marquee is the prime time rock prime family. And shines godly light upon this hip hop art form. Yo, Don, we can't be measured by no chart, the God form. Never bust premature for sure. You want it raw? Let me plant my dynamite, bitch. Deep inside your core, the explosion stops administration. Cause your stomach inflation. Patiently wait nine months for deportation of the earth from the moon. Black woman, stay in tune. Your God, let me point out the science about the wound. It's a black hole for those who lose control. Fertile soil for royal and wise. It spoiled many men and took many lives. Loyal brothers change sides. Only birth the decimal compared to those who died inside. 